Welcome to Journals of Self-Discovery. Hello and welcome to Journals of Spiritual Discovery. My guest this month is Eshwar Sigobin. If I gave out awards, he would definitely get one for Fastest Path to Awakening. I think that you'll find his story is remarkable both for his insight into what's holding people back and his candor about his own path. But before we get started, I do want to mention the amazing and possibly once-in-a-lifetime lineup of speakers at the upcoming TAT Foundation meeting. That meeting is going to be April 5th through the 7th. And we have the three Pauls on that list. We've got Paul Hederman coming in from the West Coast, Paul Resendez, and Paul Constant. We also have Norio Cushy, who was featured in the book Awake at the Wheel, and we're even going to have a rare appearance by Bart Marshall. I think this event might possibly sell out, so to register, you want to go to tatfoundation.org, click the About button, and then Current Events. Again, that's tatfoundation.org. Click the About button and Current Events. Well, thanks for listening, and let's get started with the interview. Well, to get started, uh, I just wanted to thank you, Eshwar, for agreeing to this interview. I, you know, I really appreciate your time. No problem. Whatever helps. Great. Um, so I don't, uh, I really don't know you at all. I, I watched a couple of uh, YouTube clips um, that uh, that are up, and your name was mentioned to me, uh, actually third hand I guess you would say a friend of a friend mentioned you to me but uh, uh, I found your found your contact info online and just shot an email to you and you responded right away which was awesome to see uh, so what I would like to do is just kind of uh, uh, get a sense of get a sense of a bit of your history or your story let's say because usually audiences are interested in that sort of thing I'm curious if if looking back on your life, if you see a point that where you would say that your spiritual search began. Um, <clears throat> all of this came about from, I guess, around 2017. <clears throat> sorry, the beginning of 2017. I went into uh, treatment for drugs and alcohol. Um I went into a treatment facility for, for drinking, and uh, it's kind of weird. I mean, life prior to that was kind of chaotic, kind of like in a constant stream, and I don't know, life of an addict is kind of chaotic in itself. But uh, there was an incident that occurred that prompted me to um, to go into treatment, and when I went in there... <clears throat> I don't know, the break from how I normally am with work and business and, you know, running all these uh, jobs, I mean, I was working sometimes 70, 80 hours a week, uh, I got a break from all of that, the phone got shut off, I was in there for 21 days, I believe, and 
the break from everything that I thought I needed to be in, you know, being a successful person, successful businessman, um, a father, a son, whatever it was, everything just kind of stopped for a second. And it was the first time I was like, um, well, like who or what am I outside of all of these, uh, conditions or all these things that I thought I needed to do. <clears throat> and in in the treatment, I got introduced to uh, meditation. And um, I just kind of took off with that. There was a silence that came with it and an openness to everything. And after the treatment process, I went and I stayed at a recovery house to continue on. And um, I got involved in AA. And uh, I know... They don't like to talk about a 12 steps and stuff on public radio or whatever it is. But that, that was just part of it. <clears throat> when I went went through um, the 12 steps, I was going through that with complete openness. Um, and I went into step four, which kind kinds of it deflates ego. But I, t- I took it a little further than that because at the time I had like, there's four or five different names that I went by. So like with my group of friends, I was known as uh, Carlos. Uh, with my parents, I was known as Ishwar. Um, when I was out drinking and hanging out with my buddies, I was, you know, they called me Los. <clears throat> and each one of those names had their particular personalities and each one of the personalities had their set of guidelines that they kind of acted by. You know, one was a wild party type, one was a professional business person, the other one was like, uh, you know, a son, student kind of thing. And, you know, one was a father. And I started looking at those things like, what what really are those? And everything came to, well, they're all just kind of things that I imposed on myself or, you know, conditions if you could say that but you know a dad is supposed to be this way by societal standpoint that's what makes a father what makes a good son is this way you know how he behaves with his mother and family and all of that stuff and then I started seeing through each personality as just being a uh there were were just thoughts there was just thoughts about a particular way of being and then I was like, well, if all of those go away, what's really here? What's really, well, I mean, like who or what <laughs> am I? <clears throat> and I got into, uh, I read some of uh, Ramana Maharshi stuff, um, self-inquiry. That kind of went to a point where the answer just, the question couldn't be answered. And then... um from there, I started doing... There was a particular meditation that I was doing. Uh, it's called... The hun- it was a 112 Steps um, of Shiva. They were all methods. 112 different methods that they give you that would make you uh, realize instantaneously. And there was one particular step that I was doing. It was uh, number five. And it was a particular meditation that was a little involved. And I was sitting in my truck... I, I was doing a meditation for about an hour, and then 
It felt like a bolt of lightning just shot up from the earth, through the bottom of my feet, up through the top of my head, and it came back down and just hit me on my brain. And I was, my whole body just started shaking. <clears throat> and I was staying at the recovery house at the time. So I got out the truck, I went inside, and um, what I thought was about five minutes, uh, the guys in the house said almost an hour had passed, 45 minutes an hour had passed, where I, I just, I was just standing in a room looking at a wall. <clears throat> I didn't have no thoughts of future, past, not even the present in itself. It was just like the first time of just being and not being anything. So that was the initial awakening, so to speak. Then I kind of went on and I was uh, reading some Eckhart Tolle stuff. Um, and another insight came, which was laughable. What I call it kind of like the cosmic joke, where you realize when you get up and go look for yourself, how are you going to find it if you're getting up and going and looking? And I just kind of realized that, you know, here and now is where I am. And I just kind of bust out laughing. And just that just kind of opened up the present moment. But there was still a lingering question as to what I really, like, what is here? What's experiencing? And uh, the search went, I, mean, was, I listened to a, a, a few people, Alan Watts. Um, not to say that people should go and listen to them. They, they were just, I found it. Interesting that um, my background, I'm uh, Indian, Hindu, and but I don't speak the language. And a lot of the stuff that they were talking about was in Sanskrit or in Hindi, and some things get lost in translation. So I started looking at people who spoke English, who I could understand. And uh, you know, I, I learned a few things, and then I got introduced to a, a couple of Buddhist way of looking. And... Um, I had tried uh, ayahuasca, but <clears throat> that added more to the confusion because it amplifies your senses um, and it, it can make you feel trapped within your body. Um, but it's good in a way if you have um, like deep-seated issues, things that you you really want to address and you don't know what the root causes are. That's what it did for me, and I kind of cleared out a lot of stuff. And that, coupled with uh, the 12 steps, cleared out a lot of sense of self, sense of identity, what I thought I needed to be, um, ego, my conceptions of the world, all of that stuff kind of got broken down. And then <clears throat> it got to the point where no one was answering the question. No one was was guiding me directly to say, well, what is I? Who, who am I? What's all this stuff? What's all this really about? Um, and one day I was just laying down in bed and uh, I just dropped everything. I dropped all all the ideas that I, that I had about this stuff. And I wasn't searching for long, maybe about eight, nine months. So I didn't get into, you know, some people are in it for like 20 years and read all these texts and all these books. And the more they read, the more they get lost. Um, the more concepts come up and I dropped away everything. I started with something very simple. There was something inside me that was kind of guiding me. And 
I the only thing I can say that I I can consider me is what I remember. So I started going back and back. So I started remembering myself now and like here and now, so to speak. Then in my mid twenties, then in, as a teenager, then maybe about ten or eleven, and then I got back to a memory when I was about five years old, and that's the furthest I could remember. So I said of if I was five already when I had this memory, and it was a, it was a <laughs> it was a strange kind of it was a strange. Um, I grew up in the Caribbean island, so they the discipline is a little bit different, so they do beat you. <laughs> so <clears throat> they were asking me to spell the word fruit, and I couldn't I couldn't spell it. And every time I couldn't spell or I misspelled it, I got hit. And it was the first time I identified with body mind. And it was the first memory I could remember. And I was like, well, if this is five years old and this memory is at five and this is the furthest I could remember myself to be a self or a body or a mind, what was that before? What was there before? And that's when everything just dropped. There was... There wasn't even... And it can't be spoken in the way where... I wasn't there. There was only experience. There wasn't experience experiencing something. There wasn't a me that was experiencing anything. And it sounds contradictory, but it isn't. There was only experience. And then it came... What came after that was a sense of self. Then this sense of me, this I, the sense of existence. And then the entire manifestation came afterwards. So at the core of what I had considered myself to be was empty, nothing. There wasn't anything there. No concepts, no ideas. Uh, it, it's, it was just a thought. And that was it. That's all, that's all that was there. The, the, the sense of me was only, it was only a thought, it was only an idea. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't real. And when I say it wasn't real, it wasn't as it appeared to be. Like how we take our day-to-day -day activity is, you know, something so concrete and real. And we're grounded in it that we are the ones that's experiencing what's really happening. Really and truly, it's the running commentary that's saying what's happening after an experience. And it was like... Huh. And then from there, everything just kind of dropped away. There was uh, no real uh, searching anymore, no stresses in life, no worrying about money, family, safety, any of that stuff. Like nothing to that degree, I guess. The things that people worry about every day doesn't really, it doesn't bother. There's nothing there for it to bother. And, um... That's how it's kind of been from that point on. But it, the insight, that's uh, no, the no self insight, it was something that needed to mature in a sense too. Because with that experience, uh, so to speak, when it says there's nothing and then there's a sense of self, then, you know, the sense of identity and then this entire manifestation, it can make it seem as though 
that sense of identity is the one that's creating the manifestation, but it isn't. All, all the stuff here is uh, real in a sense that it's occurring. The way that it's occurring, which is our interpretation of it, that's what's not real. That's what's in what they call an illusion. It, illusion doesn't mean uh, it isn't real in that sense. It just means it's not the way that it appears. And um, once that started to mature out, it was just... I don't know. I think I don't know if that's what they call freedom, but it's free freedom from the self, from the thought of being free. Um, it's just interesting. Thoughts just kind of come and go. They don't hold on and cling to anything. They don't try to label anything. There's just there's just a fullness to all that is, all that's here. Um, and I think part of it is we get caught in the idea of what this is supposed to look like based on somebody else's experience that we overlook what's in front of us every day. They think it's something grand. Really, it's an annihilation of your very self. Your very sense of being something. Your very sense of being. You don't even have to identify and be anything. That's a thing that isn't, isn't real. So that's kind of how I um, came into it. Nothing really changes. You, you, you don't really, you know, it's not like a, I don't see it like a life-changing event where things in your life will change, but it's just the way that you um, kind of interact with the things that are going on. You, you just know. And there's a subtlety in this as well. Because um, people go on the ultimate reality and you know, divine reality and all of that stuff. Um, this whole experience or whatever you want to call it, it, reality can't be known. Not by something that comes after. Period. The only thing that's required is for you to know the nature of yourself and your own being for what you are. That's all you can know. Everything else is just concepts. There is the whole of reality, so to speak, that, you know, from what we're taught, we take, we can look at a forest and then say, that thing is a tree, label it, identify with it, and we forget the whole background and say, oh, look, it's a tree. But it's a concept that we put on something and then we teach that to everyone, foregoing that we took something from a whole and then we labeled it as this thing and then teach it to everybody else that it's a thing when really and truly it's something you can't describe like you can look at the color green that's the label but you're you experience that first before the mind comes and labels it and without the labeling i mean there's a wonder when you, you perceive or look at things now, and it, it just has infinite dimensions to it. Not in a spectacular way like that. There's just so much there when the mind isn't trying to compartmentalize all this stuff and trying to label it out and ca you know catalog it. Just our normal way of thinking. And um, it's just been been that way.
ever since. Now you still, uh, I think somebody told me you were an electrician. So, I mean, you still have to categorize things, right? Or else you're going to kill yourself. Well, in, in the sense of conventional reality, meaning, uh, all the things that were taught to us, um, just because everyone, everyone else believes that this stuff is real and an entire structure was built on something that's false. Um, but it still operates. It doesn't mean that it, it'll just vanish and go, and go away. You still operate within the conventions, but you know the nature of yourself and you know the nature of how this all came into being. You know how the separation was. You know how uh, we, we created all of these, say a job, particularly as, as an electrician. That's something that was taught to me. That's the only... You know that it's something that was taught to you. You know it's conditions that are just playing out, so there's no real choice in the matter. There's no free will in it. Um, it's kind of conditioned in that way, and everything is conditions kind of playing itself out. You don't have any kind of involvement in it. Yeah, so what what uh, what you're saying then is, you mentioned the word experience, and I, I think you said something to the effect of everything is really just experience. There's not an experiencer. So when you are, uh, when you're on a job, all that's happening is, uh, how would you describe that? It's just like there's information flowing and, and actions are happening. It's interesting with that stuff because <clears throat> with work, um, like everything just seems to happen on its own. Like, like we or our sense of self or identity is only found like found after an experience or found after something is completed and then i would be like ah look what got done and then yeah. that's the end that's the end of it but while it's going on it's it, it's like it's just doing itself you know there's no real effort that's being put forward to say that um like, I have to get this done in this time frame. It has to be this way. It's like all those things are programmed in, and it's, you just allow it to just do its thing. And do you mentioned that there was, uh, I don't know if you said that all, all the stressors had fallen away, but a lot of them have. Do you still, do you still find thoughts coming up of, oh, shit, I got to get this done because, you know, Friday is the deadline on this project? No, I mean, thoughts don't stop. Is mm -hmm. What you see is that you you could never stop any of it anyways. I mean, thinking isn't, isn't required for you to speak. Speaking just kind of happens. Um, the thoughts don't really have anything to do with that. But thoughts come and they go, but there is no interaction with them. So you could have the, you could have a thought that says, Oh shit! I'm not gonna get done with this. But are you saying that you don't then have the follow-on thoughts of you know people talk about the reaction to reaction to reaction and how you get caught in spirals of worry or spirals of concern? Are you saying right. that that sort of thing is faded away? Yeah, that's all gone. There, there is no. There's definitely a knowing that nothing happens outside of the present moment, so to speak. Right. So there's no holding on to past. 
and there is no projecting into the future. So when those two things kind of move out of the equation, the only thing that's really going on is what's going on right now. And that coupled with the knowledge of it's not happening to anyone and there is no there isn't anything at the the core of all of this um of what i consider a self or being then nothing is taken seriously and if there's if there's if your experience is that there's nothing at core then the question of uh, well what happens when you when you die uh, how does that question strike you now nothing happens what <clears throat> there was one one night I was laying in bed with my daughters and uh, everything went still and it felt like all the energies in my body coalesce in the center of my sternum and um, it just merged with everything that's here. There's just a, a flow of energy that's here and it just kind of all all the responsibilities that I ever felt in life that I needed to do, everything just vanished. And with that, um, the sense of even me being here went away. I think, uh, I don't know what it is with physical death, but what we are isn't physically anything. It's just a thought, and the thought is empty in nature. It doesn't have any real substance. It's, it's, uh, you know, we're just an interpretation of what's going on right now, coupled with this run-in commentary that makes it seem as though we have importance and we have choice. Like, the the fact that a matter is when... The only way choice kind of comes into play is after an event occurs, then after the event, you can say it could have happened a different way. And most people ignore the fact that however it just happened, that's how it happened. You know, we ignore, we ignore how much how much is going on here, even if you were to say that you were a, a, a physical body to even keep you here. So at what point do you, I mean, that, that's a pretty big ego to say that, you know, I'm here and doing all of this stuff. And, you know, if this, you can say if the sun wasn't here producing sunlight, you wouldn't be able to perceive or see and it wouldn't nourish the plants that are here that's producing oxygen for you to breathe or the food for you to eat, or all the forces that are required for to keep this planet spinning in the velocity that it's spinning. You know, there's so much that's going on that we ignore. And the more we ignore, the more we, f we feel ourselves separate. We feel ourselves um, like we have control. When we start to see everything else that's involved around us, just for us to be here in this very instant. You know, you can't help but kind of give awe and you know be in awe to all of it what you said reminded me of uh something that i heard in landmark a couple years ago they said uh well all that all that has happened is what happened that's it simple as that what happened is what happened and everything that follows on that is just a story right. but i i found uh I found that telling oneself that is, in a sense, though, just another story. It's like sometimes people tell themselves uh, little sayings like that, and they're trying to build a counter story 
that says, oh, okay, everything, everything is okay, all my reactions aren't true. And that to me somehow, that seems, it, it doesn't last, or it's a flimsy story. It doesn't hold up in day-to-day life. Does that, do you have any reaction to that? Well, there's a lot of folks that have an intellectual understanding of it. And yeah. through the, the intellectual understanding, they can imagine what the experience would be like and then react based on that imagination of what it would be like. Um, until the experience occurs or one experiences that for oneself, um, it's just mere intellectual understanding. Um, everything that anyone can say is just a story even all words are made up to describe experiences everything is a pointer it's not to be taken literally it's just a way of pointing you to go and experience it for yourself so you can see instead of holding on to the words as being the experience so you're talking about the the counter to some sort of intellectual understanding is is what some sort of whole body visceral experience or what are you what are you pointing towards what has to happen it's the dropping away of all conceptions the the very thing that identifies as a body identity itself even every conception of you when a lot of people say or teachers say that i mean you have to die that's what they mean the idea and the concepts that you create around the center that's an I, all of it has to go. And it's not a very popular thing because a lot of people want to feel important. They want purpose. They think life has meaning um, and they're of value. And that's not the case. They're, they're all just, everything is just conceptions. When you do right. away with all, all the conceptions, then there is no you there. There is only experience. And it's not, I don't think it's mythical or magical. It's in our everyday experience. We just don't pay attention to it. You know, something as simple as washing your hands. When somebody's washing their hands, you know, they internalize a lot of stuff. And you can externalize thoughts in a sense. By doing it intentionally, you feel all the sensations as you're washing your hand, you know, uh, the soap and all of that stuff, the, whatever it is, hot, cold, however you want to label it. You can do that without labeling anything. Just be in the experience and then when you're done, say, this is washing hands. That's moving something that's internalized to your external experience, so to speak. And you're just, you're just in experience in itself. Now, when I use the term I, I is just a reference point in a means to convey uh, an idea or a concept. It's not taken to mean that it's, it's a me of substance. It's a, yeah. a, something of importance. I, I wanted to take a step back for a second just to clarify something. Uh, the The time frame that we're talking about from... When you when you went into uh, the recovery program and and you had uh, this, this final realization, if you will, of you know there's nothing here. Are we talking about 
a matter of months? It sounded like it. Yeah, it was. I went in 2017. I would say it was within a year. It wasn't the first kind of awakening, the first two kind of awakenings with the energy kind of thing that occurred. Maybe like, let's see, I left the recovery house. I left treatment in the end of January and I went straight into the recovery house. I'm sorry, in February 10th, I left the the treatment facility and I went to recovery house. I left the recovery house in August. And the first two type of awakening happened within that time frame. So a couple of months. After that, I tried uh, ayahuasca a couple of times. And it was... A couple of insights came in from that. And one of it is if you really want to get to the core of the truth, you have to deconstruct every thoughts and ideas and concept you ever had of anything. And it goes all the way back. So... Once those insights kind of came, I, I went with that. And um, you can go into that stuff and get caught and lost in the light show, which a lot of people do, or they have bad experiences with it. Um, I set my intentions, and my goal was to find out what the truth of all of this is. And with that, I kind of bypassed the light show and got to the core of uh, being and ideas and concepts and all of that stuff. And started to break those things down started seeing that all those were things that were taught to me there weren't anything that i ever conceived of of my own you know and the interesting thing about no self is there isn't a particular way to get to that you know however someone comes you can't sit and meditate with the idea of I'm going to drop away all concepts because I'm going to see no self. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it just, one day it was just kind of spontaneous. I was just laying in bed and I was like, all right, what is all this about? And, you know, I just went back and back and back. And then what was there before that? And, you know, just to kind of see what would happen. And then poof, it was clearer, clearer as day, clearer than day. <laughs> So that was a, that sounds like that was in a way that was an intellectual process that you were engaged in, but then something else happened. It wasn't like a, a logical conclusion, was it? It was something right. It, other it, than. It, intellect takes you but so far, but intellect can't, can't go there. Yeah. Because it's what's prior to even the identification of, a you, a person, a personality, an identity. Uh, and then from there, all it, it gets kind of tied up in the language with uh, Nibbana. I think that's part of the part of the experience with it, because from there was a cessation of all suffering. Because I realized that all suffering happens in between the years. Granted, there are physical sufferings, and by no means do I speak on anyone who who's. Uh, suffering anything that they're going through in life if they don't know they'll take it to be real and it would be real for them but for me um i realized that even with the physical stuff that occurs holding on to pain like you walk around stump your toe and then you're telling this one and the next one oh how it hurts you did this you did that it just kind of prolongs the story and then the, the imagined pain is way worse than when it actually happened. And really, if you kind of sit with the experience of it, it, it goes away rather quickly. Yeah. 
I had all kinds of aches and pains throughout my body that I, I used to hold on to all the time, and a lot of that stuff just went away. And there's no value given to it. There's no importance given to it. It's just kind of interesting how everything played out. You haven't had a a whole lot of time to um, <clears throat> interact with with other people, I guess, and you know, in terms of uh, giving suggestions to them and that sort of thing. But what? What have you seen so far? What would you say to date about you know, general suggestions that you would make to people or or general problems that you see? Fear. <clears throat> Everyone is afraid of something. And their their fear is usually rooted in what other people think of them. And most of the stuff that they do in life is based on either pleasing somebody else or the way that they would be perceived by somebody else. And a lot of their suffering occurs in between their own ears. And most people only suffer their thoughts. But feelings and emotions, um, I think one of the things people don't really deal with is that, their, their own feelings and emotions. They think that the outside world is to blame for it or somebody did them something so wrong Um they kind of pass the buck but when you start to look deep within yourself and understand your own thoughts feelings and emotions and you see that's the it's the same principles that everybody um goes by and you can relate to them a lot better because you know what it is to be angry you know what it is to be hurt nobody can make you feel those things you're the ones that take take a particular circumstance or situation and and feel those feelings and feel those thoughts about those feelings and it's all based in thought you see the the thought might arise then a memory comes and then the bodily sensation comes and this i says that this is happening to me this thought of it and it, everything is centered around that that thought it's claiming ownership of all the experience. People get involved in therapy, for example, for years, trying to deal with the very things that you're talking about. Fear or emotions or, uh, you know, reactions that they have in certain situations. They, they will spend years working on that. Do you have... Uh, do you have any suggestions? Or is that just... Is that their path? That's what they have to do? And, and, you know, I'm, try, I'm trying to get some understanding of how you were able to, in such a short period of time, um, see through those fears in yourself. Well, they're all, there's a tree and all those are branches. Uh, people w that work on, you know, fear or work on this or work on that, they're, all, they're only cutting off the branches. You got to uproot the whole damn tree. You got to uproot you. The thing that says that it's feeling all of this stuff, what is that? You know, look and observe and see. You know, one one thing that's re really powerful, I think in our society in general, especially with men, they don't address their own feelings and emotions, something that they, they bury and they hide and tuck away. I, I usually say invite them in. Invite them in as part of yourself. You know, say, say it out loud when you sit in meditation. If a particular thought comes up or fear comes up or emotion comes up invite it in like 
the one thing you love most in life. Invite that feeling in as that person or that thing that you want to know and you want to understand what it is that it's trying to tell you. And, you know, there are different levels to it. You start from there and then you can deepen. Because most everyone just kind of uh, react to feelings and emotions, angers and anger and sadness and uh, fear. Everything is based in like a fear of being alone with most people. Because at, at the very core, there's a separation that occurs. And the thing that separates from a whole, which is what we consider ourselves to be, it always wants to get back to that. So it always feels alone in this world. But it never thinks to try and understand itself. It wants to understand everything else. Uh, it, it can try to find happiness in somebody else that would behave a certain way, to love it in a certain way. You know, it's to look at look at the thing that you're calling you. Look at that thing that's interacting with all the other stuff out there. Because it's taking all that information, interpreting it, and then, you know, acting and reacting accordingly. Look at that thing, you know. Break away from the cycle. Yeah, so, uh, you know, a cycle might be... Uh, oh, I, I go to my job every day and at the end of the day I'm uh, I'm stressed and I'm worried about what the next day is going to bring let's say and then that evening I want to sit down and I want to meditate and I just get thoughts that come up over and over again of things that happened during the day or insults that I feel like people sent my way or ways that I uh, ways that I failed doing my job that day and ways that I might fail tomorrow I mean you get what I'm saying like we get barraged by all this stuff if we sit down and try to be quiet right uh, you... well it's it's past and then it's projecting into the future so it's, it's like if you look at it right now, here in this moment, this whatever it is that we we're talking about right now, right this second, is there a problem? See, this, there's stillness and silence. It's to expand on that. You can ask yourself, I wonder what my next thought's going to be. And then there's stillness and silence. It's to expand on that stillness and silence. But to get to, to people's uh, more root cause, if somebody's in a job that they don't like, what it is is stopping them from leaving. It's usually in fear. Mm-hmm. fear of not being able to provide or not being able to do this or do that or really and truly it's fear in giving up the comforts that you think that you have right now that might change because it's it's consistent you know why not just do what it is that would make you happy everyone is so caught up they're caught up in this job is giving me this I can afford this or it's you know I can do without one of the things I learned in recovery, and especially in staying in a recovery house, is how little we truly need to live. I mean, I was sleeping sleeping on the bottom of a bunk bed with, I had like three dresser drawers to put my stuff. And uh, I shared one bathroom with 10 people. You know, and in one room that housed uh, five total, including myself. And you have that little space, you, you, you learn how to, you, you see it in an experiential way that you really don't need a whole lot to live and you don't need a whole lot to be happy. 
But you got to be happy within yourself. You can't expect anybody else to make you happy. I think it's like the key to all of this. One thing that kind of helped helped me out too was when people who are seeking and to get to a certain point. I went to a website called uh, Liberation Unleashed. Yeah. And they helped tremendously with seeing through the concepts and understanding how the sense of self is formed and how it comes into being, how it comes out from in of itself as just an idea. And again, like I said, no one can know anything about reality. No one can know anything that they can consider the ultimate truth or whatever they want to call it. They can only know who and what they are, the core of their being. That's it. And I think that is the most important thing for people to find out about themselves. Once that happens, it's like... You just let go of everything, man. It's just... You don't worry and stress about all these other things. Things still... I mean, life still goes on, you know? It, it all still plays out. But you just don't hang on to a whole lot of stuff. You're not as heavy. You're not sad and depressed or lonely or you know, perfectly it's weird because it's not about being happy and it's not about not being happy it's kind of a weird place to kind of be so to speak it's it's not about any of those things you can't even call it neutral it's just the way that you are and it's the way you've always been you're not talking about eternal bliss, Eshwar. We're, you're losing the audience on this one, I think. Well, people have this conception of what eternal bliss is. And the conception is always based in what somebody else has told them about what eternal bliss is. And they have a way of describing it as, you know, this grandeur type of experience. You know, imagine for a second that you, you've been going through a process that you have taken to be so real you know that that you're so involved in it and then all of a sudden you realize that this entire thing is just it isn't it isn't real not that it's it's a joke but it isn't it's in, it isn't real in that self something that you've been taking so real your entire life then you can just exhale and relax what more bliss is there than that when you don't have to worry about nothing? And even if worry comes, it's it's grounded in, hey, there's nothing here. <laughs> you know, There are states of consciousness that you can get into where, where it can seem extremely blissful, where you're just blown away and all these crazy experiences are, are going on, but you move from where you are into those experiences. This is prior to all of that. I, I would say that probably half, half the people that I talk with who are on a spiritual search, who are trying to find, uh, you know, they may phrase it as they're trying to find who they really are or they're trying to find uh, what's at their core, however they phrase it. Some are saying they're after enlightenment. Uh, roughly half of those people feel stuck in some way. They feel like they're not getting anywhere. They're... Uh, they're just doing the same old practices over and over again. They're, everything just feels dry. There's no progress. What would you say to a person who came to you like that? Well, I typically like 
to sit down and talk to somebody one-on-one because I can kind of get a feel for where they're at, um, being that I went through certain things. But somebody who feels that they're stuck, you know, I don't know what practices they're following, but if they can give up the practice in itself and just listen to themselves, you know, has anybody really ever asked themselves what they truly want, you know, and start there? <laughs> go from go from the way you're experiencing everything here and then start questioning your own ideas. Don't go learn about somebody else's idea of what this is and then question their idea of it. Uh, that's I think that's what happens quite often. People go and they, they read about somebody's enlightenment story or uh, the way that they're experiencing this world and um, they're trying to imagine that for themselves and they're trying to uh, replicate that experience within themselves but they're not paying attention to their own experience of what's going on right now. They completely they completely missed the, missed the mark. If you get up and go look for yourself, how are you going to expect to find yourself? It's just a recognition, really, of where you are. But it's the, all the ideas and concepts have to be given up. The mind will create anything that you ask it to. So if you ask for bliss, it can create a very blissful type of state for you. But you move away from where you are to go to go into those states. This isn't this isn't a state that you go into. You move forward into. You fall into this. You fall back into it. When you give up all the ideas and concepts, this is what is always here. You got to get to that point first, and then when when you give up all the ideas and concepts, and then this is what's here, then you can truly look into, well, what is really here? And then ideas and concepts doesn't come anymore, and you see everything as experience. And there's no labeling of, there's a me that's hearing something, there's only, there's only sound, there's only hearing speaking, cognition, thoughts come and go, tactile sensations. There isn't anything that's labeling any of them. They're not centered around this eye that's unifying all these experiences as it's happening to a particular being. It's it's an interesting point that you raise because sometimes I think in doing these podcasts that uh, there's the potential that Every new podcast episode I put up, whatever person is doing, well, now they're going to uh, listen to that podcast and they're going to read all the books that that person mentioned. And then, you know, they're going to try the meditation that that person mentioned. So whatever they were doing, they're cast it all aside and try something new. Uh, But you're saying... Uh, hey, no, that's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pausing for a minute and seeing what's really going on. Seeing, you know, asking the questioner, what is it that you really want? All right, exploring what's here first. Now, there is validity in when people go and they exert themselves to a point where they just give up, and when they give up, they drop everything. They say the hell with it, f it, everything, and in that instant, it can happen too. Um, but that exertion is like, you know, it's a complete mental exertion or a complete physical exertion. You know, sometimes you have to get up and go look to realize that you can't be found anywhere else but where you've been sitting. But 
No one says that to folks. You know, go and look, go and look, go and look. You'll find, you'll find, you'll find, you'll find. But you won't. If you sit down, like I said, sit down here right now and, you know, just notice that if you ask yourself, is there any problem right here, right now? And there's just a silence to everything. Or ask yourself, is, I wonder what my next thought's going to be. There's just a silence and you can expand on that. It starts, you know, you notice it. That's how it kind of started for me too. It's like a razor's edge, but eventually the razor's edge just expands out. And it's just the way, of, you know, everything is. <clears throat> but you have to realize that you're here and now in the present moment. And from here is where you can explore into the true nature of yourself. If you're not in the present moment and you're caught up in thoughts, the present moment isn't everything that there is, so to speak. I mean, there is reality, there is the entire existence in itself, even that's a concept. But you, to know who you are, you have to stop and come in contact with you. Not all these ideas that you're chasing. And you come in contact with you and you're present and you're aware of your own bodily sensations, then you can pose the question, what's aware, what's saying it's aware, what's all of this stuff here now? And you're not going and looking for all these ideas that everybody else is talking about, all these grand experiences. Like I said, I, I'm not denying anybody's experience, but if you're moving away from where you are for that experience and moving forward into an experience, then you move away from what you are and who you are. And you can get caught in that as well. You said the present moment is not everything there is. Can you expand on that a little? So if there's anyone that's experiencing the present moment, they're not experiencing the present moment. They're experiencing past because it takes time to interpret that. And then memory and thoughts to say that it's something that's experienced in time. Nobody can experience the present moment in itself. But sitting still and being aware when I say the present moment, so to speak, is when all the thoughts and ideas, when you give them a break and then whatever is here just kind of opens up, that is reality. You can look at all of that stuff, but you just don't label any of it because there's no way to really describe it. The only thing that you can truly look at is the thing that's saying that it's looking at reality. I want to ask you a question about that, <laughs> knowing that we may fall into the the difficulties of language here right. <laughs> that said uh are are you saying that are you saying that the only the only thing that can see the present moment is this false idea of a of a looker or a watcher or observer is that what you're saying even what i'm saying is even the observer has to be given up Mm-hmm. And when that's given up, there's there's just experience. But in our day-to-day -day experience, and I like to put this in a way where people can understand, if they're, say, they're sitting down at the park and they're, they're looking at the scenery itself, well, that's reality. The interpretation of it through means of convention with language to try and describe what they're seeing, which is an experience, that's the, the falsity. That's the lag. That's where you find yourself. You always find yourself after an experience or after a experience. Are, are, are you saying that 
that the that the are you saying that the present moment is in a way it's it's always contaminated by the experiencer of it or is that as soon as we recognize the present moment we've fallen out of the present moment is that what you're getting at right it's always passing yeah it's not it's like this is the present moment and now it's passed this is the present moment now it's passed this is there's no experience of the present moment the the thing that would even say that it's experiencing is always a uh it's a lag it's it's it comes in an interpretation of what's happening like in your simple sense of perception um you only know you're seeing a tree because you recognize that there's a you separate from a tree yeah well, there you go. But you're found after the experience. You're found in separation. So everything is reversed in the way that we typically think because knowledge in itself is ignorance. Because to, to say that you know anything, well, it's ignorance. You're, you're ignoring the reality and saying that you know you are the knowing in itself. The separation is the knowing of something that just can't be known, but it claims that it knows it when it should be the other way around. It should know itself for what it is, not the reality in itself, because nothing can know reality. Nothing can say anything about reality. No concepts can be formed, and if it's formed as a concept, it's just a means of pointing back to that experience of what's considered reality. Did you did you ever find yourself in the, in the position of observing what's going on inside of yourself and realizing that well everything i see is isn't it isn't the fundamental thing you know it's all illusion or it's all like a painting everything i observe is not it's not it's not that it's the other way around it's the thing that's that's looking that's the illusion Right, right. But how do you, how in the heck do you (laughs) get the, it's as if the self has to admit that it's not real and it sure as heck doesn't want to do that. Right. But the the first thing that needs to happen is you got to accept yourself where you're at. You got to stop looking and seeking. And once you're established, well, here I am. Then you start to look at, well, what the hell is the here that the I, that the am is, and what is it all pointing to? You know, it's not that the world is the illusion in itself. It's the thing that's interpreting that. That's the, the very thing that's the illusion. All of this is happening. How it's happening, no one knows. But the thing that that's always saying that, you know, it's happening this way, or I'm making this choice, or I'm doing this, or... You know, I'm looking here, I'm hearing this. Uh, that's the very thing that, that is the, that's the illusion. It's got to be flipped. Was this looking ever frightening for you? Like, did you ever, you know, well, you mentioned fear is a big thing well, yeah, for people. I, mean, I think when it got close to, um, when I'd got into the, the no self experience or so to speak like i said when i when i say that don't think that there's a me that went there and had an experience but when it got close to that um there was this overwhelming fear of like 
it was it was completely unknown when I was just kind of sitting there what was going to happen and there was like a disturbance within myself like you don't know you don't know you don't know you could die you could get hurt just can have like all the stuff was going off in my head and then I was like you know one of the things a taught me was to always confront my fear and if a fear is coming up go towards it and not away from it so I went towards it and then there was this this vibrational type energy that came and just swept me away but there was no like real consciousness there i was like well that's not it either like if it's moving me then there's something else that's going on and i just kept going into the fear into the fear into the fear and then you know the annihilation of self or your ideas of yourself it can be scary because it doesn't want to know that it isn't real because once it's found out you know you can't unsee it so to speak But yeah, it can, it can be it can be terrifying. There is a lot of because a lot of these type things when they come up, a lot of fear came up uh, through this journey, so to speak, because a lot of the things that was being experienced was never experienced before. There were questions that was never posed or asked before. Everything was just kind of accepted for the way that it was. I never questioned the nature of my own reality. And when I started questioning it and allowing the, the answers to come without the ideas and concepts to see for see it for what it is, the very thing that was here didn't want to see. The, the uncomfortability, the fear that came up was, was amazing. I remember the first time I was doing a meditation. I was meditating in front of a mirror in the recovery house and just looking at myself in the mirror and then I just vanished because my mind couldn't conceive of what I actually looked like. And that scared the death out of me. And I was like, but it intrigued me <laughs> more to to get over that fear. And the only way I could get over the fear was to keep going back and looking and seeing. And I got this very real sensation that I'm not this body and I'm not this mind. And then it was put like very clearly, the jig's up, <laughs> the game's over. You mentioned meeting with people one-on-one. -on -one. Is that something that you're actively trying to do? Meet with people and be of help? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the only thing you can do once this, this happens is uh, you, you turn around and you try to help people. When you get to the, the center of your being and the core of your being and know that there isn't anything there, the only thing you can do is turn around and uh, just show it to other folks so they don't have to suffer through these ideas and concepts that they have of themselves. So that's that's all I try to and it seems like it's something that I'm trying to do but it it's not that way it's just the natural way that things kind of play out anyone who have any questions or want to come and talk or have a phone conversation or correspond through email or whatever it is if they have any questions they can ask I think when I did the YouTube video I left my phone number up there but the number has since changed um, but yeah that's why I put out the email there anyone can call ask any questions about anything really so if a person wanted to get a hold of you <clears throat> uh, they should check the the YouTube they could check the YouTube or if you don't mind you could put out my phone number on the podcast that's fine or my email on the podcast if anyone wants to contact or speak or say anything or sure 
Yeah, yeah. I'd be glad to do that. I'll put it in the notes, the show notes, right. and people can go check that out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, there's no point in, in holding on to it because it doesn't have any value for me. And um, I don't charge anything for anybody. If anybody wants to have a conversation, none of that stuff matters to me. <laughs> I go out and I, I still work and do what I got to do. Uh, you know, I could care less about money or fame or any of that stuff. It really doesn't make a difference. As long as somebody can benefit from it and maybe they can ease some of their own suffering or maybe get insight into themselves or where to look directly without all the, the games that everybody else plays that I've seen so far. You mentioned you you mentioned you had a daughter. Have, how has all of this played out with with your family relationships? Is that something that's gotten stronger, or I mean, are you hiding out in a cave most of the time? <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, everything uh, continues and goes on. There there are changes um, with. The way I interact with my kids, it's it's a it's a different way, man. When you don't have ideas and concepts of them as being yours, and like you have ownership over these kids. Not to say that responsibility will will go away with that, but you see them more as a whole, like part of this. You see the liveliness in them. You experience them differently. Um, this stuff with my wife, she, after I kind of went through all of this stuff, um, she, she wanted to, she had started looking and reading up some stuff and she wanted to go, uh, go through this path too. So, um, I kind of showed her a few things to look at within herself and she had a few realizations for herself that she's not the body. She's, she's not this mind. And then she realized, like I said, there's stages to it. She realized that everything was all mind and then, uh, She's lo- looking through and seeing past some of this stuff. But it enhanced our relationship. And the first thing that kind of changed was, um, I guess, expectations for the other person to make the other person happy. And it was something, um, I might have been a little blunt about it early on in our relationship when when all this realization stuff came up and i told her it's like you know don't look to me to make you happy and it can seem odd in a way because it's not the convention for most people i was like look within yourself and find happiness within yourself and then we can understand each other better by understand our own feelings thoughts and emotions and it can make for a more harmonious relationship which it did you know, there, there are no expectations that I place on her. There's none that she places on me. Like, you know, if, if there are things that needs to be done, we don't ask each other to do it. We, we just get it done. You know, the, you know, it's just, it just plays beautifully, I think, from what, what I've seen with it. And like I said the relationship with my kids are just... It's different. It's different when you look at them and you see them for this ball of life, and it's like something you just can't describe, man. You don't claim ownership to anything. They're they're just this beautiful kind of play that's playing out, and it's it's weird. And my oldest daughter, she's four, and her name is Leela. 
<laughs> and Leela is supposed to be the divine play. Yeah. And I was like, you can't help but wonder sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, I just have, uh, I just had a couple more questions, and uh, then we can wrap it up. Uh, I'm always curious. Uh, I really enjoy film movies. I'm always curious if if my guests have any recommendations for a film that they think touches upon these ideas. And if you do, awesome. If not, awesome. Honestly, everything that I see and I watch touches on all of this stuff once you realize it to the core. Um, but as an aid to help you get there, I haven't really dabbled in many films um, or even documentaries really I mean a lot of this stuff if you want to to go and realize this stuff for yourself uh, I would just say leave everything behind don't go and look for it anywhere else and you know there's there's just a very there's very few pointers that you, that's just needed that's it. And you you come in touch with something within yourself that will always guide you. You know, and there are certain things that you can do with perception if you don't want to take information in from the external world and kind of see things for, the, for what they are that you can do as well. Like, there's very few things. Like it, I don't see it as being, you know, it's, it's pretty ordinary. It's here. It's just the recognition of it. And there's not a lot to do f to recognize it. And were you referring to meditation when you said that there are things that you can do in regards to perception? Meditation is, uh, one particular one is, is kind of key to, for thoughts, and it breaks the chain of thoughts. Um, and that one is pretty simple. It's just you sitting every ten, 10 minutes every day or something or twice a day just paying attention to thoughts themselves and just kind of notice how to rise up and fall away. And then if you're noticing them rising up and fall away, then they don't have anything to do with you. There's just that recognition of there, of mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then once that cycle is, is broken, you can be more grounded in, in presence, so to speak, where you find yourself. And then there's recognition that you're here. You can't be anywhere else, you know, acknowledge your existence. And then when you acknowledge your existence, then you question the nature of your existence. You can't do it any other way else. You'll, you're just binded up in thought. I have to say, I do find it remarkable that that insight of how, well, thought is just arising and falling away. Like You, you speak of that insight as if, oh, you know, I meditated a few times and then I got it. There's people who spend years doing that type of meditation and seeing over and over and over thought arising and falling away, yet it just doesn't, it just don't seem to grasp or get at a gut level. It just doesn't hit them that, Oh, that's all that's happening. Everything is rising up and falling away. The, the important thing to see with that is that it's rising up and falling away, and it has nothing to do with you. You're still there looking at it. So if they're coming and going, and it really doesn't affect you in any kind of way, why are you paying attention to them? Or why are you giving them power or life? You can't change it that they come and go. 
that's their own nature to just come and go. And thoughts come and come from conventional reality because it's things that we know, things we were taught. It's thoughts always about something that we know or want to know or think that we can know. It's always based in convention. And convention is a world that we look around. It's a slight overlay over what reality is considered. It, it, it takes it just a little bit of, I think, focus attention. It doesn't take a lot. Not in... I can say if people follow some of the stuff for 20, 30 years, they just build up a, this incredible idea of what this is supposed to be. And it's so simple that it's completely overlooked. Yeah, I, I I definitely think that there's truth to to what you're saying in that. Uh, on the same hand, I I think for a lot of folks, like you know, the phenomenon of when you drive past an accident on the side of the road, right? Like people can't help but look, and I think thought is a lot of times like that. It's like fireworks going off. Like, people just can't help but be sucked into the fireworks show. All right. And it takes some effort to just, you know, keep track and stay on course. An interesting thing that I, I used to do when I was in, uh, I was staying at the recovery house, and a lot of this stuff came from within myself on how to do certain things. I used to go to a stream and just put my hand in the water, and then... I would not say that it's cold, that it's warm, or that's my hand in the water, and just allow the experience to flow naturally without trying. If labeling comes, you allow the label to come and go away, but it doesn't change the experience of what's happening. The labeling is just an inter. Uh, it's trying to interpret. The mental structure is trying to interpret what's going on. And if you can maintain awareness while that's occurring, then it's like, huh, you, you just start to stay in, stay in experience. And then an interesting thing, when we're driving around or walking around, our focus attention is always on something we're trying to know. So if you can unfocus your eyes, which is uh, like trying to look in the back of your head or look through your peripheral, you'll notice your, you'll, your mind will stop trying to decipher what's going on. And those were like two simple things that... Uh, helped immensely early early on because the mind wasn't being bombarded with you know I got to know this or what's that over there you know the car is white oh there's a car and then it just it's a repetitive thought and then it goes into another one another one another one but throughout the whole thing you you always notice it but the important thing is just to come back to to your sense of self don't deny your own existence because it like I said there's levels to it you know you can have the realizations and then stand on top of the mountain and preach from that point, but it won't help anyone get to see, you know, get up to the mountain to realize that there is no mountaintop. You kind of got to come down to the level and speak to them on where they're at. And that's where I find it's, it's most effective. Or else it can go over a lot of people's heads. That's why I think the one-on-one the -on -one or just kind of sitting down and having a conversation with somebody you can kind of see and gauge where they're at and see what they need to look at or what what they should what they should look at because everyone is different they're on different levels and um they had different experiences too but a lot of people try to deny that they're not real 
you have to accept that. You have to accept yourself first, and then go go look at it. You can't just say that I, I'm not real, or there is no self, or the self is an illusion. You gotta accept that first, and then start to break it down. Accepting yourself brings you present. Well, thank you, Ashwar. Thank you very much. No problem. And then, like I said, you can put my phone number on there or uh, my email address. It doesn't make a difference. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll put them both up and uh, people can get in touch with you. I think that's awesome. And I really appreciate your uh, the spirit of you want to share with folks like that and uh, and not charging. That's something I very much can relate to of you know it's a priceless thing it was a gift and uh you're giving that back to folks yeah it was freely given to me so um i don't yeah. really feel a need or inclination to even uh, if it can help somebody in any way shape or form to kind of alleviate where they're at and help them see past and that's cool if it don't it don't <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things yeah yeah well, great. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call it. Uh, <clears throat> I have more questions, but I'll, I'll let those pass by. Maybe we could do a follow-up at some point in the future. Thank you for listening to this edition of Journals of Spiritual Discovery. I'm your host, Sean Nevins. For more information about today's guest, as well as more interviews, books, and other resources, go to spiritualteachers.org. That's spiritualteachers.org dot o-r-g